Welcome back, it's episode number 31 of Venture Poland podcast. Very short intro. Today I invited Rafał Kosno from Wayver slash Hypercare. We will talk about HR, we will talk about how tech startups can enhance the experience of candidates applying for jobs in companies and how companies can build the relationship just from the very beginning and maintain this relationship throughout the career of their employees. As always, make sure to subscribe to the channels, make sure to share this episode with your friends and colleagues at work. I would really appreciate some feedback. I think this topic is very interesting as we will hear quite a lot of insights on how to deal with clients and partners abroad, regardless of the size of the company you're trying to get hold of. Enjoy. Welcome to Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner for any business venture, especially when it comes to technology. In my podcast, I interview Polish entrepreneurs, startup founders, managers and engineers, so we can all learn from them. Enjoy today's episode. Rafał, thank you very much, first of all, for accepting the invite to the show. I'm really uh, glad that you're uh, with us today and hopefully we'll be able to share some uh, interesting thoughts and ideas around the topics of your expertise. And please um, give us uh, your best 60 seconds pitch on uh, Hypercare. One more time, um, please. I don't know if it will be the best 60 seconds, but... Uh... I don't know if you know, depending on the industry, even one third or half of the people that are recruited to a company uh, might not show up at the job interview that they've scheduled. And 62% of candidates, according to e-recruiter, think that employers don't care about relationship with job candidates. 90-60 of them believe that their personal values, personal interests should be in line with the company. Uh, in order to to work there, and seventy five percent of people uh, would like to participate in trainings that are recommended to them by senior management. And what we've realized is that HR departments of companies face various various problems. Some are dealing with the inadequate uh, tools for recruitment. Others seek for um, new ways to communicate with job candidates and employees, especially remotely. And what they could use was basically an email or just reach out to candidates by calling them. So we took a look at how we as people like to communicate. And we realized that 95% of people take their phones with them when we leave home. We touch it two and a half thousand times per day at least. So we also realized that the video and interactive content is gaining. So we've created a platform that allows uh, HR departments to communicate using lots of engaging contents um, by sending a short text message with a link or MMS with a link to an interactive content that opens in a browser. So they can basically reach out to pretty much anyone without any need on uh, on the recipient side to have any sort of uh, uh, app installed on their devices. Mm, sure. Okay. So to be honest with you, I wanted to ask something else, uh, but 
I need to ask one more thing before we start off with my uh, scheduled questions, let's say. Is this really that of a scale of a problem for companies that, you know, they have issues at the very beginning of the recruitment process and through it? Are we talking here about uh, companies of a size of, I don't know, plus uh, 500 employees or uh, thousands of employees or even smaller companies? Of course, even smaller, because basically, depending on the size of the company and industry, they face different problems. What we've learned is that some of the companies are very elite. They are usually like large international companies that pay very well, but also hire top candidates or very experienced candidates, candidates that receive job offers from multiple companies, and it's really difficult to hire them. Unfortunately, some of them have very long processes and candidates who receive lots of offers, lots of calls from headhunters might basically uh, leave the process in the middle. And these companies had to engage this candidate by showing why it's actually worthwhile to remain in the process, why they should stay there, why they should uh, continue. Uh, one of the such companies was Procter & Gamble, uh, one of our customers, and they allow us to share their statistics that by using Waiver, they cut the number of people who drop the process by 30%. On the other hand, there are some companies that have to face the problem of highly rotating staff, restaurant businesses and so on. Okay. So these guys, when hiring uh, waiters, when hiring cooks, they will with the problem that 90% of them would leave job the same year they are hired. So within the 12 months, almost 90% of people leave the company. These guys had to automate the entire process of recruiting of training and make it so that the human touch is there but it's all automated so they love this kind of tool because they cannot afford to train every single person by engaging one of their employees because that would be extremely expensive so in every single case we always ask our customers like what are your problems like how can we help you and we hear really different stories so from some companies like small businesses they would say like, look, we want to show people that we are really engaged, that we have like amazing lifestyle, that we use high quality equipment and they, and they are highly advanced people in our company because job candidates might be very worried about it. They might be worried that they are stuck in some sort of small business that doesn't help them to develop. But some other companies, the issues could be really simple. Like uh, we need to tell candidates to show up 15 minutes early because it's really time consuming to get from the reception to the place where we are actually having the meeting. And the uh, recruiter will have to go down, pick you up from the reception and, and go to the room. So please show up like 15 minutes early. They send information on parking space, on how to get to the company, which entrance to the building to take, etc. Because these are like specific issues they have. Okay, so actually the company who is interested in enhancing their recruitment process, let's say, they have the chance to review it properly. So maybe you have ideas on how to improve it, not only just with the application, but also in terms of, you know, how to do it properly because you've seen it uh, multiple times in other places as well. Oh, absolutely, I, I that's, absolutely. That's... Yeah, so when working with companies, we always like to start with a workshop to learn from the company what they are looking for, what are their specific issues that they would like to approach because very often they already have it mapped and they can basically lay it down in front of us. But on the other hand, we try to help them out by asking questions about problems that we have seen with other businesses. 
and very often we hear that they have the same problems and they didn't necessarily focus on them. It wasn't something that was very obvious for them or something that they were paying attention to. These are things that uh, apply to every single business about you know, building bond or even very simple things like thanking candidates who are not accepted for the job. Because if you do care about employer branding, you don't really have to focus on the people that you hire. Of course, they are extremely important and you will have lots of opportunities to show them how great a company you are. But remember that there will be lots of people who will be disappointed because they won't get the job offer from you. So very often, these are the guys that companies skip and uh, forget about. It's actually great touch if they receive this sort of video message saying that somebody actually uh, reviewed your CV that actually contributed at the time. And this is something that, that makes a great impression uh, that you really care. Very interesting, very interesting. So um, let's talk about numbers now. I'm really curious, uh, you know, about things like, for example, how big is uh, Waiver for now? Waiver or Hypercare, because I guess this is the yeah, same Yeah, so team. basically we have dedicated people that are focused on, on various parts of the business. We are a bit less than 20 people right now. And fortunately, we have supporting marketing agency that we can leverage to work with us whenever it is necessary. So we have a bunch of people who are dedicated only for our company and they are focused on the product and uh, sales development. But we can also leverage a lot of people around us when it comes to actually delivery of the high quality contents. And I'm talking both about graphic designers and video makers, but also external experts who are in-field experts. So basically, if there are like some sort of issues that require consulting, we are working with some of the top people in the industry. And one of the things that we have noticed about like differentiating Waiver and the product called Hypercare is one of the problems that we see with, uh, with startups in, uh, on the market, that they try to serve different customer segments uh, under the same brand name with the same product. So pretty much companies don't know what they are buying and they have mixed feelings. So we decided to basically build these special offers and package them so they can be addressed with a certain industry, certain type of customers, and they will know precisely that this is a tool for them. So for instance, for hypercare, we focus on HR and training departments of companies, and we have dedicated people in the sales team and customer service team who have a lot of experience in HR. So people who know both the product as well as how it works in HR. Wayware platform can also be used for other applications like, let's say, sales or, you know, setting up meetings or things like even debt collection, if you wish to use it. Uh, but the important thing is that people don't mix it, that they don't think that hypercare is the same thing as the debt collection tool, because th this is something that they are not used to. And um, if I could give one advice to anybody starting a startup, I would say, remember to create repetitive sales process, meaning the same product, the same like presentation, the same way of reaching out customers and try to build the scale. This way it goes much, much smoother because you're not doing consulting business, you're launching a company with a product. So that's really important from my side. Sure. I think it's very important and I know that uh, for sure as well uh, from my experiences is that 
if there is no match between the product or service and the customer, there is no point uh, arguing on trying to convince the customer. It's just a waste of time. You need to have a perfect match and then the thing goes just smooth as you said. If the process is well made and the product is uh, good enough, then uh, you need to find specific profile of customer and uh, it speeds up everything. If you're starting a startup, my recommendation would be focus on something try to deliver it and see what works. Like we were focusing on marketing a lot. We were trying to sell to marketing people in big companies, but the problem was that they were really reluctant to use our product for mass communication towards uh, a lot of customers because the risk was high. So one of the answers that we were always getting from companies would be, let's start with a small pilot. Let's maybe use it on our own employees. And when they did, they loved the product. So what we realized is that we can actually have a great offerings for this sort of applications, for using the tool for communication with the internal employees. And once they use it internally, uh, salespeople, marketing people would basically come up and say, hey, can I use the same type of messages towards the customer? I mean, if we like it as employees, I suppose the customers will like it as well. So this is not an obvious thing, but this is something that comes up as you are building the startup. So you need to find out who is buying your product, why they are buying, and just give them more arguments to buy your product, and then realize who precisely you are selling to, who's buying from you. Um, we were reaching out to top executives in companies, to top HR people in the companies, but what we realized is that they weren't necessarily the, the ones that were the target to involve. I mean, if you try to, you know, set up a meeting with a, with a head of sales, head of marketing, head of HR in a company, it will be really difficult. So companies struggle to do that. And what, what we realize is that we can actually reach out to somebody who's like an early adopter, who might be a junior specialist in HR department, but somebody who's really into their job, who would like to, you know, develop, who would like to participate in different trainings and so on who's really engaged. And when they learn about our tool, they love it. They want to, you know, uh, use it in their work. And it is our job to actually give them tools, give them information, give them, you know, insights so they can go to their boss who's, you know, managing the budget and is the decision maker and say, hey, I found this amazing tool. It would be awesome if we could use it. True. It works like this and that. And, you know, there are like few questions that they would ask, like, you know, how much does it cost? Who's already using that and the, the last and most important one will you take care about uh, implementing it and uh, and so you know it speed up our sales process amazingly when we realize that we just need to look for this sort of engaged people that are early adopters and they are really easy to find really easy to contact and that's it that was the source of the you know amazing leads and and sales later on brilliant when I hear your answers now, you already answered quite a few questions that I had lined up. I think it's very interesting because you're the kind of person who likes to elaborate on the work you guys have done, I think. It's really impressive what I'm trying to say. On that note, when you said that you could go for the early adopters and try to interest them with your solution, I think that's one of the most interesting stories I had so far when it comes to sales because you may assume something okay that this is the way it should work this is the way we should sell the product but then in real life it's completely different and as soon as you get to that point 
where you notice the difference, uh, you can just start off. And, uh... Yeah, actually, I learned from Steve Jobs, you know, like I watched once uh, an interview with him and he noticed that when they were producing Macs and they were trying to sell them to business, they would always go to large businesses and ask me, like, could you buy it? And they were asking, no, you need to change this, you need to change that and still go for IBM. And so they were changing, they were tailoring, and they, they couldn't sell, uh, even though they were trying to adjust the, the product to the customer that they wanted to sell to. But then they realized that they are actually amazingly good in selling to graphic designers, to all the, all the people that care about you know this graphic contents. And they asked them, why did you choose this platform? And it was because they could work with different color scales, bigger resolutions than, than IBM, and they could uh, uh, cooperate with printing machines that IBM couldn't. So... What they decided to do is to go for a lot more, like give them different scales of color, even higher resolution and even more professional printing equipment uh, available in the platform. And I suppose that even until these days, Apple in general is all about like this amazing uh, looks, amazing services for the graphic content, mm, right? Okay, yeah, that's very interesting, very interesting. Uh, let's go back to numbers now. I would like to come back to year 2017. I have watched your video from Impact Fintech Conference in Katowice. You said that after one year on the market, you were able to secure approximately 50 corporate clients globally. I would like to ask you about this period of time. I'm very interested whether this is the way you've done it that time or was there something else that helped you out? I'm just really curious. Yeah, so from my point of view, like if you're starting a startup, trying to convince corporate customers to just give it a try and start with a pilot of some solution is not as complicated as you think of it. The problem starts when you think about integration or going for large scale. And that's like totally different uh, point of views because you don't want to do custom projects unless you're capable of you know selling a, a project that costs hundreds of thousands of losses. And this is like in Polish market, it's really difficult. And... Uh, Nevertheless, internationally, even um, you know, heads of innovations or something like this, they, they have budget to give it a try. There's plenty of acceleration programs that basically get you the, this sort of early customers and uh, um, they might not be able to implement it on large scale later on, but still the important part is that you get this sort of uh, traction, that you talk to them, that you are on their radar, that later on they can... Uh, um, implemented. So, unfortunately, I don't have like a, a you know like a golden rule for for this. I believe that for every single company, the process is different. But for us in our industry, it has been pretty important to get this sort of big names uh, involved in the process and get some sort of you know like invoicing, get some sort of usage, um, because that 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 was crucial. I know a lot of companies that focus on. Uh, deep tech and in their case it's all about technology in some cases they don't even care about sales um, I've met some of these companies for example at MIT in Boston um, they were focusing on devices like medical devices and they say that nobody really cares about the, the customers like they are not about the sales they are all about technology so that's a completely different approach and of course if you're building SaaS like for individuals for the mass market um, that's completely different. You don't have to talk to corporate customers. I don't know much about that. 
like acupuncture and insights about Interesting. it. Interesting. So if you were to uh, remind yourself of first two or three clients, uh, early pilots, maybe some innovation funds or demos uh, you've done, and then they basically translate it into customers uh, later on. Yeah, so first sales should be probably focused on somebody you know, um, somebody you're friends with, or the companies that you understand that, that you know how they work. This was precisely our case. Um, I can't really recall right now who was the first one to sign the the contract, but uh, I remember the, some of the first companies, and this was basically because we knew the people who are decision makers, we knew the problems that they've had. So basically we could go to them and go with some sort of specific projects that we could do to address the problems that we knew they had. And uh, because they knew us, they knew that the idea that, uh, that it's a new brand new product, it can have some flaws. It might not work as good as it should be like for, for major product. But, but they were still willing to give it a try. So um, I suppose with every single industry, that, that's, that's the same rule, that you have some customers, that you have some friends. There are some people that you have worked in the past and they know you, they trust you. There's no sort of this type of issues that you have when making completely new sales, um, especially on international scale. So we basically focus on uh, making sales to some of the companies that are present mm, in Poland. Okay, interesting. So on that note, uh, what's more difficult in your opinion, uh, working on tech or uh, sales? Um, I would say by far sales. Like I hardly ever see uh, any product that is like completely new in comparison to what is on the market. So w- whenever you're starting something, you have to always remember that there's somebody in the world that is doing something very similar or you know, like uh, that is addressing the same issues, the same problems. And uh, the, the case might be that they are on the other half of the world, like, like precisely, you know, extremely far away. And, uh, and the key issue is basically to, to find customers. Um, I find it really difficult because like when you are starting a company in Poland, we don't really have access to some sort of, you know, very high financing. And you are always struggling about the financial part of your business and the sales at the same time and building the product. So we are a bit different than some companies in the US, for example. So uh, I know that you're, you're a technical person and your line of business, it might be all about getting this kind of high-tech product that doesn't really need to have any sale um, because you are basically going to sell your company. You're like a project of a major corporation that that corporation will want to buy your company. So it's great if you are in a country where you can basically do high valuation rounds one after another and just focus on technology um, like on the other hand if you manage to do sales in such business at the same time you are pretty much independent so you can sleep pretty well at night because at some point you might not need to have any financing but most companies just focusing on technology um, will do basically high valuation rounds and uh, do one after another um, the thing is that in our case, we have to pay the same money that people are paying in US or UK or in Western Europe for, for IT, for some sort of specialists. So unless you get like really high valuation, really a lot of funding, you will struggle. So at some point you will find yourself that you actually own like 5 or 10% of your business, which is not making any money, which is just developing some technology. And you will just find it difficult to convince yourselves that it's still worthwhile to keep going. So, you know, 
these are like some of the top issues that we have when uh, building high tech in our region. And I think we are still better than some Central European countries um, because there are like grants, there are like different sources of, of financing. And especially in the recent years, uh, more funds that, that focus on seed financing, etc. Sure. Okay. So if we're on a money topic, then are you guys um, positive when it comes to your expenses and income? Is it already there? Did you make it through to the break-even point or not just yet? Um, so basically, we are making money, we are making sales, but every time we, we make sales, we decide to invest into development, into the products. Right now, so we are trying to, to stay at the break-even, so we don't need to have any additional funding, uh, any additional financing needs. Um, but at the same time, whatever money we make, we just put it into the development, into adding new features and so on. So um, we could maybe speed up with just getting like a funding crowd or, 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 you know, external financing. But at the same time, we need to see what customers are really buying. And uh, unfortunately, the, one of the industries that we were addressing, like these human resources, was extremely hit by COVID in the... Um, you know, in the beginning of the year. And uh, we just had to tailor, like, look at what's happening in the market and who's spending the money, who has some needs um, when it comes to communication. And we try to build products for them. Uh, fortunately, it works. But, but still, every single company right now is, like, somewhat uh, struggling to spend money, even, even if they have budget, because they don't know how the thing will de develop. So I think that the, the situation market right now is... Uh, pretty stable that uh, that the virus turned out not to be um, as deadly as everybody was afraid of um, so so i think like like we are on the, on a good track to for growth brilliant congratulations then i would like to ask about the most difficult things you've done over the last few years something maybe that went wrong and the ideas on how you overcome that problem that issue i think it's going to be very interesting for the listeners unfortunately i don't have like this sort of genius case that i could come up with and build some sort of advice for the for the listeners but uh, i believe that one of the major problems that uh, that everybody's struggling with is basically managing the team, managing people, expectation, and so on. Um, but that's normal. The, the thing is that when building a startup, people are really, really responsible for a lot of things. And some of them find it really attractive. Others find a lot of pressure in that. So basically, it's a mix. Um, like you grow fast, you do a lot of things, but at the same time, you're not really comfortable with that. Sometimes you, you hope that you could just sit down and have your morning coffee and just enjoy the day by doing what you enjoy doing. And it's not the case in the startup. And there is a saying that if you build a startup, uh, you sleep at night like an infant, like a small child. And everybody thinks like, oh, that's so lovely. It's so, so sweet. And I say, no, no, you don't get it. A small child and infants wake up every two hours at night and, and cry. This is where you are when you are a startup. But really, one day you are struggling, you're wondering if you will have the money to keep on going for the next few months. And uh, you see people trying to squeeze you out, like with the valuations or something like this. You don't know if you will have the money. The next day comes the, you know, like big contract and you know that you're good for the next half a year. But then at that point, when customers come in, your staff is trying to squeeze you out, like get win as much as they can for themselves. And you're trying to manage that as well. And, and it's always like this. It's problems when things are not going right. And there are problems when, when things are growing, especially when they are growing fast. So 
it's all about like this kind of you know managing expectations and uh, deliveries and so on and uh, so building a company is not really a, a super simple thing and uh, uh, it's definitely these are different problems than than corporate life than than working for corporation but it's no less easier or more okay. fun to do so in that case do you remember the reasons or maybe ideas before you started building your uh, startup what was the reason for you to become an entrepreneur oh i i believe i've always been so to be honest i've never had like a permanent job contract even though i was sure. working as a freelancer for a very large project working with the same customers and getting job offers but i never really decided that i want to join some company for like a really long time um even though i was cooperating with some of them for years but still keeping it like, like as a freelancer or like a, a external party on B2B contract. So, and I believe that with a lot of people, uh, it's the case that they've always been entrepreneurs, that this is their way of going. And uh, to be honest, what I see in some co companies is that uh, the people who are working there and treat that company as if it was their business, they are doing the best. So I have some experience with consulting firms and, uh, and the best consultants, best people will basically would share their, like the same values that, that the owners of the business would have. And this is one of the, the things that I see in young people, especially those that leave corporation, that they are basically a lot in this kind of uh, management style where they have to be given certain tasks and they have to just deliver that task and that's it. And they are basically being told precisely what to do and uh, you know what is expected of them. And I believe that it's always the best if somebody starts working as if the company that they are working for was their business, because then they start to care. They start thinking of what else needs to be done, in what way it has to be done, so it serves better the customers. Uh, some corporations are encouraging that, others are killing it. Uh, in a startup, that's the way to go. And when you learn to, to do that, unfortunately, People in, the, in, in startups develop faster than the companies. And uh, it's fine when you see like employees leaving you because they want to start their, their own thing, because they've learned like a lot of things, how to start, how to manage different departments, how to get things going. And uh, this is something you need to be ready for and uh, accept it that basically they will leave you and they might start their own businesses. That's actually a good part because it means that, that you're doing your, your okay. job well. Very interesting. Pressure, constant pressure, entrepreneurs' life, startups' uh, life. I think it's probably a bit uh, more difficult even here in Poland than in other countries where we constantly, you know, compare ourselves to America or uh, countries in uh, uh, Western Europe. But I think it's really getting better and you're uh, one of the examples, I believe. I really wish you all the best. Closing question. What did you learn recently that helps you do your job? Um, the most requiring times is uh, when things are changing and you need to be able to adjust really, really fast. Otherwise, you're either a big winner or you lose. So th this was basically because of the COVID situation. We've seen a lot of companies that started growing extremely fast. Uh, I'm talking, you know, like remote sales, like food deliveries, etc. And, and they were doing great. Some companies were struggling very much and some companies basically adjusted. They started doing the work remotely and uh, those who learned it the fastest were the biggest winners or at least they didn't lose. 
they didn't uh, go bankrupt from day one to another. And uh, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway that difficult times basically create the biggest opportunities. It's great when you get to the point where you're just scaling, you know, that the market is there, the money is there, the budgets are there, you know, precisely what you're selling, how you're selling, how you are delivering, who you are selling it to. And you just focus on making the sales like repetitive or the processes repetitive and so on. But in such case, it's really difficult for somebody to get into your line of business. And uh, when there are new opportunities on the market, when things go sideways, the business model change a lot. This is the point where you can start new things, new ventures, and uh, hopefully be able to be, be you know, very successful in them. Brilliant. Rafał, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, as I said, I wish you all the best. I'm going to uh, follow you guys on uh, LinkedIn and, you know, just uh, see how things uh, go. And um, yeah, I hope to uh, maybe uh, meet you guys in some time in future. All the best. Thank you very much. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much.